friends, welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. I am your host, Rachel Gilbert. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics to help you get real, live free, and pursue your God-given dreams. Before I introduce you to today's guest, I want to remind you to text the phrase Real Talk to the number 44222 right there in your cell phone. So you can stay up to date on new show releases as well as any special offers from show sponsors and guests. And if you're on that list, you'll always be entered into the book giveaway from guests or whatever it is they're giving away that week. Also, a real quick thank you to today's show sponsor, Cultivate What Matters. You can click the link in the show notes to shop all their amazing goodies and support the show. Today's guest, Melinda Fuller, is a speaker, blogger, and author of Obedience Over Hustle. She and I got real about her latest family adventures that leave me wanting to sell all of our things and join them, plus her heart behind her book and our culture's hustle mentality. I honestly will not do this conversation justice, so let's go ahead and jump right into my conversation with Melinda. Hey, Melinda, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, well, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. I'm very excited about what we're going to chat about. Yes, me too. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I start out all the shows just by having you briefly introduce yourself, maybe even something fun or funky that people wouldn't know about you. Yeah. Um, Well, hi, everybody. My name is Melinda Fuller, and I am married to my husband of 14 years this year, which is awesome. I'm a Canadian, which a lot of people don't know. And we met in Texas, got married in Las Vegas, complete with an Elvis. We have two kids that are seven and nine, and we have been homeschooling for the last four years. My husband and I both work from home, and we dubbed ourselves the Wolf Pack about three years ago. And so we howl to one another at night as we put the kids to bed. Or like if we are out during the day, like on a hike or just like adventuring together, we howl to one another. And so if you're at my house late at night and we put the kids to bed, you will hear that. And we have some friends now who join in. So it's become like this fun thing. We're the Fuller Wolf Pack. (laughs) Okay. That might be the most quirky thing somebody has shared on here. So I know everybody is probably thinking the same thing I am. Where did that come from? Did it just like... That is always the next question every time we talk about it. So my husband and I try and put the kids to bed together. And so one night we were just, you know, rubbing their backs and we have this routine at the end of the day. It's called what are, what are our thankfuls? And we just have the kids list everything that they're thankful for. So when they're little, it's like a box of new crayons and feeding the ducks at the pond. And, um, it's specific to that day and it just helps our gratitude. And so we were just sitting in their beds with them, rubbing their backs. And my oldest just kind of started howling like a puppy would when you rub their belly. And then we kind of all echoed and then it just has evolved from there. So Okay, I love that. There's no like spiritual significance (laughs) or anything. It's just this weird thing that happened one day and it's that. Yeah, yeah, we have like t-shirts made. I did them for Christmas a couple years ago and like mama, mama, papa, and then pup wolf pack shirts. So see, I, I feel like that is a beautiful illustration of when the joy of the Lord is present in your home. You can just, you know, something that took off is something that was your your kid doing that you just ran with it. And I love that. That's so fun. Um, We have a couple things in common. My husband and I actually been married 14 years this in Mm -hmm. May. We celebrated that. And 
No way. What day? The 28th. Shut up. That's our anniversary. (laughs) There you go. All right, guys. You're you're listening to this live. We really did not know this about each other. That's hilarious. (laughs) Okay. We live in Texas. So what part of Texas did you meet in? (laughs) Um, So just outside of Tyler, Texas. Uh Uh-huh. Where? In like Lindale, which okay. is up where like all the YWAM and Mercy Ship bases are. So we worked for um, an organization that isn't around anymore, but like a youth missions organization. And that's where we met. Gotcha. Yeah. We live in DFW, but my husband grew up in Longview. So that's East okay. Texas. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Flown in and out of there many times. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into the real stuff. I know you and I, I could chat with you. This is my first time meeting Melinda, by the way, or, you know, quote unquote meeting over Skype. And I'm like, okay, I can sit and have a whole conversation, but we're going to get on. (laughs) I'll have to, I'll have to call you later and we can talk. Okay. So whenever I don't, I can't even tell you where I read this, probably on Instagram. Maybe I follow you on Instagram and you and your family just embarked on a pretty cool adventure. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. So a week ago yesterday, we sold our house and we had already sold about 70% of our belongings and we packed everything up and drove from Northern California. We're currently in Oregon, in Portland. And next Friday, we are going to be full-time living in a fifth wheel and traveling and homeschooling and working. My husband works from home. So yeah, we're just going to go on a giant adventure for a while. We're as prepared, I think, as you can be mentally. We've tried to connect with a lot of other full-time families. There's a huge community of people who do this with their kids. And my husband and I have traveled fairly extensively in the United States and Canada. So we just have South Dakota and Alaska to see. And the kids have probably been to about a dozen states themselves, maybe more, maybe like 15 or 18 at this point. So uh, we already love to travel and adventure. We've been tent campers up until this point. So this is like a big step up into something uh, more luxurious. My daughter is going to be in fourth grade this next year. And so the National Park Service gives every fourth grader a pass for the entire family. And you can go visit any national park you want. And so that kind of was like a confirmation for us. And then just with everything that I'm doing in my career and my husband's doing in his career, we're kind of traveling. And so we thought, why not? Let's just all do it together. So Next Friday, we are going to move into a 42-foot trailer, and we got a truck, and we're just going to do this thing. <laughs> yeah. I know. When I read that, I just was like, man, I I still feel like maybe one day my family will do something like that because I just love it. It really is. You know, We're about to talk about your book, Obedience Over Hustle, but man, I feel like that's just a beautiful example of if the Lord tells you to do something, even if it is sounds crazy to the world, you know, just being obedient and doing it. And I feel like there's so many blessings that are going to be in store for your family on this adventure. So that's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're super excited about it and the kids are excited about it too. Yeah. So that makes it better for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I saw, I, I believe I followed it. Did you, do you guys have a separate Instagram account for your journey? We do. It's called the Fuller Adventure. And there will eventually be a YouTube channel too. My husband is all about like vlogging this for our kids and family so that okay. they can 
journey with us. So okay. yeah, uh, all the updates for the family stuff will be on that channel. And then we, we can keep our own separate channels for gotcha. our Okay. Stuff. So if you guys are interested in following along, just go find them on Instagram at the Fuller Adventure. Okay. So you have recently wrote a book. It has not come out yet, right? It's coming out when? September 1st. September yep. 1st. So by the time you guys are listening to this, it, it will be out. So you should be able to order it at that point. Hop on Amazon where we all love to go and grab that book. I would love to hear, first of all, whenever I saw the title of the book, I get a lot of requests to have guests on my show, which I didn't get a request from you, but I just saw the book and I was like, I want this woman on my show. Like I just saw the title and I was like, yes, yes, please. We need more of this. And so it totally, the title itself pulled me in. Um, so tell us a little bit about the heart behind the book. Yeah. So the heart behind the book is that it was never a book to start with. Four years ago, I went to a conference for creatives. And at the time I had like a day job. I just started homeschooling my kids. My husband worked at a very large church. So I mean, crazy weird hours. We had just moved from our tiny little apartment into a rental house. We were living in Orange County. And so my income made up about 30% of what we brought home every month. And our expenses had actually gone up by 30%. And yet, even with all that math, I was just feeling really burnt out in the season of life that I was in. And I wanted to write more. So I had gone to this conference kind of asking the Lord, giving the Lord an ultimatum sort of, which is never a good idea. (laughs) And I said, hey, I want you to open a door for me to be able to work from home so I can be at home, try and homeschool and just like focus on my family. Because I was working three to five days a week at that point at a chiropractic office. I had been a massage therapist for 10 years or so. That did not happen at this conference. And I kind of got mad because it was great. It was, it was, you know, lots of great speakers and stuff. And in the last session, I was just sitting there angrily writing in my journal, like, Lord, like, come on, I need you to do this for me. And he just said, hey, Melinda, I want to give you more influence and I want to give you more opportunity, but there's too much on your hand right now. And I got this picture of like a fist that was like white knuckled holding so tightly. And he's like, there's no room in your hands. And he, then he asked me like, who is your provider? And my knee jerk response, because I've grown up in the church was, well, Lord, of course you're my provider. And he's like, well, then why won't you let go of your job? And so I flew home told my husband, I think I need to quit my job. He, you know, we prayed about it. He was all about it. And so we quit a month before Christmas, which was, you know, kind of foolish. And then about a month into the new year, he started getting all of these phone calls for contract work. And we didn't spend a dime to market him. We didn't promote his side business. Like none of that. It just naturally happened. I did not get the stay at home job that I wanted. So I just was a homeschooling mom. And then I really wanted to sharpen my skills as a writer. And so I just started writing and like pitching all these publications and taking some free online classes, but really focusing on being at home. And in the midst of that, I just kept hearing, well, if you want to be a successful writer or influencer or author one day, then you have to do X, Y, Z. And you have to be on social media like 20 hours of the day. And you have to like do all of these things. And it was just exhaustion. And so uh, that was kind of at the height of the girl boss, like hustle, get after it girl. I just kind of burnt out. 
again, it was the Lord saying to me, like, who is it who's going to do this in your life? Like, I can do more in your life, Melinda, if you just allow me to do it my way and in my time. And I just kind of leaned into rest and the idea of building God's kingdom instead of my own empire and started writing about that. And it really resonated with some of my friends, some of my writing friends and podcasting friends. So I pitched it to a couple of publications and they picked it up and this idea just kind of blossomed. Like it is better to obey the Lord and the few things that he's asking me to do right now than kill myself in exhaustion, trying to do all of the things and doing them all well. And so uh, my good friend Tabitha, she said to me, we we're on the phone one day, she's like, I think this is a book for you. And I'm like, what do I know about writing a book? Um, and again, it was just the Lord saying, like, did I ask you what you knew about writing a book? Like, nope, I just want you to put pen to paper and I just want you to write these, these words down. And so it kind of evolved from there. And I got a book deal with less than 500 email subscribers, with less than 2,000 people following me on social media and 90 days after getting an agent. And so... I'm here to tell the world that you do not have to follow this formula that some, you know, mega Instagram star or super successful author tells you you have to do it. Like God can do whatever he wants with our life if we are just faithful and obedient to what he's calling us to do right now. So that's sorry, that might have been like a long introduction, but it's really like a two-part thing. And the story in the book is just God continually asking me to be obedient and then asking my husband to be obedient because he gave up his job and started his own company three years to the day almost that I gave up my job. Wow. Uh, okay. I've said this more than once on the show, but today it's particularly true. So often the people I interview on this show, it's like, medicine to my own soul first, and then I put it out to the world and it's medicine for them too. You know, so God knew I personally needed to be reminded of this message today because I have a very similar story, but I won't go into mine today. When I first got started in this online space, I felt like God gave me the word that if I would prepare my heart in private, he would make a place for me in public. That was the word that he gave me. And I have to constantly bring myself back to that because even just last week, I had a conversation with somebody who really discouraged me because my numbers weren't big enough. You know, like that's all she could talk about was you got to grow those numbers. You got to do all, you know, you got to do, you got to do. And I remember just getting off that call with her feeling like, like I was, had been sucker punched, you know, like, oh my gosh, I got to start doing, like, I felt like somebody just dropped a big weight on my back and said, you got to go, you got to, you got to start hustling. You got to start moving. If you want this to happen, it's, you know, get after it. And I had a conversation with my husband and the Lord and they both set me straight, you know, like, no, you don't chill out. So, so hearing, hearing you today just resonates with me. And I know, you know, for some of you listening, I know not everybody listening has a dream to write a book, but I know every single person listening has dreamed in their heart. And it's really, really tempting for all of us to get caught up on that hamster wheel of like thinking we have to make it happen. And I know the world teaches us that. And even people that we really look up to, maybe even in the Christian you know, community are teaching that. But I just really appreciate you for for just standing for truth in this area and for even just bringing people hope about this topic. Yeah, it's definitely been a freedom thing for me 
the subtitle of the book is the surrender of the striving heart and diving a lot like deep into this idea that it's, it's a heart issue more than it's even what I'm putting my hand to in the physical, because I think there's probably some listeners who are like, Oh, I don't have, you know, I'm, I don't have a side business or a side hustle or whatever, but the hustle chance still digs deep into our life because, you know, oh, you're six weeks postpartum and you have to have your mom or your bod back or you have to have your kids involved in 18 different activities to make sure that they're well-rounded by the time they're five and you have to prepare all organic food for your kids, GMO-free, whatever, all the time and your house has to look like Joanna Gaines styled it every day. Girl, you got to be at every single event that your church puts on. And so it's not just a profession thing. It's a heart issue because the world tells us that unless we're doing all these things and doing them all well, that our life no longer has significance. And it's not the pursuit of our purpose that gives us significance. Like that is from the Lord and it isn't dependent on what I do or don't do. It It's just in him and in him alone. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm all about like girls working hard. Like my husband traveled 150 days last year. I homeschooled both my kids and I wrote and edited a book. Like I worked really hard last year, but it was out of a place of obedience and there was grace because I was doing what he called me to do and not everything else that everybody else told me or felt like I had to do. That's so good. And, you know, that brings up a great question in that regard to hustling. What do you think is the difference between hustling and having a good work ethic? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm all about the hard work ethic. God wants us to be hard workers. When we look at Genesis, like God was very specific in giving Adam a job to do. What happened after the fall is that his work came by the sweat of his brow. God said, you are going to toil in order to earn your existence. And that happened after the fall. Mm. But God intended for our work prior to that to be in partnership with the Lord, right? Like God told Adam to tend to the soil, but did God or did Adam make it rain? Did he cause springs to come up out of the ground? No, he was only called to tend what was already there. It was a partnership with the Lord. And so I think what happens is we cross over from having a good work ethic into workaholism or hustle when our work comes at the expense of other things. And most often it comes at the expense of our relationships specifically our families and our children, or the expense of our mental health or our physical health. Because when we get going and we become a workaholic, the first thing usually to go is our time with the Lord, our physical health, like working out and eating healthy, and our time with our family. And so that for me is the line. Like, is my work at the expense of my kids or of my sleep or of my mental health? And if so, I've gone from working hard in partnership with the Lord to striving to do it on my own and then burnout and exhaustion. I love how practical you made that. And I'm curious if you have any even even more further practical tips on how can we keep ourselves in check? Because I don't know about everybody listening, but I know for myself, I usually get really far gone 
like breaking point gone before I realize, uh oh, I've crossed the line, you know, like where things are starting to fall apart. And so, and I say usually that I used to, I've, I have gotten much better about it. Getting better. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm getting better about it, but I am, I know I have a few personal things I keep in place for me personally to make sure that doesn't happen, but I'm curious if you have any, or if you have any practical tips for just most people to help them not get to the point of the breaking point before they realize, oh no, I've crossed over. Yeah. I think sleep is a really important one. And I know for me, when I'm not sleeping well, like when my sleep isn't restful or I can't go to sleep or I'm waking up early and like the anxiety has already started because my brain is just going a million miles a minute. That's a good indicator that I need to shift my priorities. My husband is really good at helping me keep everything in check. I am a one on the Enneagram. And so there isn't a whole lot of gray in my life. And my expectations from myself are like through the roof. And so he is kind and gracious and pulls me back to the middle and back to that healthy place of spontaneity and having fun and laughing and not taking everything so seriously. And I think it's good to have people in your life who keep you accountable. And that can be like screen and people online or like one of my best friends, like we have seen each other twice in four years and that's it. But we text almost every single day. And so she's really good at, Hey, how's your heart doing? And bringing me back when I am spiraling a little bit. But I think the danger in that is that we can try and allow for all of our accountability to happen online instead of having people in our life that we see face to face that sit with us at our kitchen table or in our living rooms and that we're having those conversations with. And I think that's really, really important. So that's a good one for me. And when my kids get to the point where they're like, hey, can you guide off your phone and like come and watch the movie or come and read to me or whatever, like that is always like, the Holy Spirit speaking through my children to me that my priorities need to shift. And I, I'm getting better at it. Yeah. Much better. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way with my kids. You know, one of the one of the things or reasons that I do like to do a social media fast from time to time is because it always makes me more aware of how often I post things to social media more than I like, we'll text that friend or, you know, and because like I recently did just one day, just I was like, I just needed to kind of detox. And I realized it was a bunch of things that I normally would have put in my stories, which is fine, you know, and fun. Yeah. But then all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait, I'm not on social media today. Who could I text this to that would appreciate this? You know, but then it like it created this really special thing. So I I feel like the Lord's telling me you need to do that more often, you know, just having this yeah. fast built in so that I'm just to your point about though that all of our accountability and friendships not being online. I love online. It's powerful. I mean, you and I connected online, so totally not yeah. discounting it, but the boundaries thing is so huge about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So I am curious if somebody listening, and actually, I mean, I think we all have this question. If we say, okay, yes, I want to give up the hustle culture. Does that mean then that we're deciding that we're just going to lose on our dreams or like, I'm just, Oh, forget it. It's not going to happen. You know, what is that? What is your interpretation of that? Yeah, no, I think God wants us to have big dreams. I think he wants us to dream with him. I think the hustle dream is what can I do for me? 
when you start dreaming with the Lord, it isn't necessarily just about what you're going to do and accomplish for yourself. Like it's not just about how much money you're going to make or how big your numbers are going to get or how successful you're going to be. It's what am I giving? Like, um, my husband and I, at the beginning of every year, we try and take like a, like a retreat overnight away to just dream over, over the next year. We don't always get a word, but there's different categories of our lives that we're, we're dreaming into or praying into. And, and one of them is giving and it's okay, Lord, like we're going to try and hit a number this year. Cause we're dreaming and believing that we're going to be able to bless people in, in what we are sowing financially into other people. And so I think that God wants us to dream and all throughout scripture, he uses dreams as a way to like speak his heart and his plans to his people, which is awesome. The danger is when we, we take the dream and we assume that it means, Oh, let's do it tomorrow. Mm. Or it has to be accomplished in the next year or the next five years or the next 10 years. Otherwise maybe I got it wrong. And the most perfect example of that is Joseph because Mm. at 17, God gave him this humongous dream, but it wasn't until, you know, a couple of decades later when he's in his thirties that it really unfolded. And I have to think that that's, because he wasn't ready to shoulder the responsibility of being second in command in the nation of Egypt. And so God had to like lower him and teach him humility and refine his character and teach him how to serve and give him some practical skills probably and some tools and um, just some life experience. And so I wonder if Joseph woke up on his 21st or 25th or 30th birthday wondering if, you know, the dream was wrong or if God got something wrong or, oh, my life is worth nothing because I haven't accomplished this dream. And yet, like, if he just hang in there, Joseph, because it's going to come, it's just maybe not going to unfold the way you think it's going to. And I think that's such a good message for us today because, you know, we get this word from the Lord or we have this dream or somebody like some well-intentioned youth pastor, teacher, parent calls something out of us that God put in us, this purpose thing that we are going to do. And we assume that we have to do it in a specific way and in a specific time. And that's just, that's not how the Lord operates. Like his wisdom is not the same as our wisdom. And so I am all about the big dream. We have dreamed huge things over the years. I mean, my life right now is like we're getting ready to jump off this cliff into the unknown dream um, and so excited about it. And I think he wants us, I know that he wants us to work hard. I think there's a lot of Christians that like do a little bit of work and then pray and God, that God will like blow it up and do the miraculous. And it's like, no. You have to do the work and you have to put in the hours and you have to sharpen yourself and you have to make, make things happen, but it's in partnership with the Lord. It's not you running in your own time and in your own way to get it done. Yeah. I love that illustration using Joseph because it's so true. And, you know, I've even asked God about that myself before. Sometimes it's like, well, then why did you give me the dream now if it wasn't going to pass for 20 years or something? And he showed me, I know for myself, when he first spoke to me, I was sitting in church when he told me that I was going to be a speaker. And that nearly knocked me off my chair laughing because I was not a talkative girl. I was always the quote unquote shy girl like that totally did not line up with who I was in that season at all. And I remember I shared it with a mentor and she confirmed my thoughts of, yeah, no, that's not you. You know, like that's no, you're not a speaker, you know, and 
again, well-meaning because we all see what we can see with our eyes in that moment. So I don't fault her for that. I'm like, yeah, I agree. It's nuts. But what, you know, the more he spoke to me about that I was going to be a speaker and a writer, even though neither of those things I was qualified for at all, I realized he showed that to me so I could start cultivating those gifts on small platforms. You know, so I started, I taught group fitness. Was that up on some big platform in front? No, it was five people, six people, you know, then it grew to 10 people. And so I feel like that is sometimes why he shows us the dreams earlier than they happen, because then we know, hey, if I'll believe that what he said is true, I can start cultivating my leadership skills and my, you know, whatever the skill requirement is for that. Um, But then the hustle comes in when we're like, okay, and now I'm ready. Let's, you know, let's go ahead and do this thing. (laughs) Right. I remember having a mentor um, saying something about the teacher thing to me similarly. And her example was, hey, Melinda, the Lord might call you to be a teacher, but that doesn't mean that you need to like finish college, go to teacher's college, and you're going to like teach elementary age kids. Maybe you're going to teach online. Maybe you're going to teach way later in your life when you have decades of fruit to show the people that you're going to teach. Maybe you're going to teach your kids. Like, it's so funny the things that she said to me then because teacher wasn't even on my radar at all. But now I just finished year four of homeschooling and I actually love to teach women the Bible. And so it's just so funny how you know, God, God gives us these things through other people at times, these words, and it might, they're just seeds and God's going to water them and they will bloom when they're, when he sees that they're ready to bloom. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Okay. So one more question about this and then I, and then I'll move on to, so we can wrap up. How do you feel like the whole hustle culture today differs from just how Jesus lived? Oh, I think it's like nine day different because <laughs> Jesus never, ever calls us to be busy ever. And he never tells us to exhaust ourselves. And I think his life all through the gospels, we see him taking time to pull back and be alone with the father and be in the garden and pray, be alone with the disciples. Like Jesus to- chose 12 people to pour into for three years. And why, so why do I think my life is insignificant if I can't hit 10,000 followers on Instagram mm-hmm. <laughs> or that my voice is suddenly insignificant unless I achieve like these great amounts of people that are following me? I think his life was, he, ne- he didn't hurry. He wasn't in a hurry to accomplish things. And he did things that other people would think is foolish, you know, why, why do you care about going to see Lazarus? You know, he's dead. You should have done something four days ago, Jesus. Like in, um, in my mind, that's like the perfect time to hustle. Like, let's get on our donkey and let's get to Bethany and like, let's get this done because he not only had the power, like he had the foresight, he knew what was coming and he didn't. And why? Because he only did what the father told him to do. Mm, and so mm-hmm. in that moment when he could have healed Lazarus, he didn't. So that for me was like a glaring example of, I need to focus on the things that I feel like God's telling me to do and not worry about what everybody else thinks that I should be doing right now. And in most cases, that's just not hurrying Mm -hmm. and embracing rest and um, pulling back and being with people in real life who can sharpen me and pour into me and love me and 
refuel me. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought him up because really that just settles it, right? You know, like we can't argue against the life of Jesus. I mean, you can, you could throw all kinds of famous, successful people out, but then, you know, let's just go back to Jesus. And he always just brings us back down to what matters. And I also love that you brought up the point that other people were trying to get him to hustle. You know, if you think about it, like, Jesus, come on, get back here, come heal it. You know, like, where were you? And he had to just be like, nope. I won't do it, you know? And so that's such a good reminder to me to be aware when other people are trying to get you to hustle and to really stand your ground and go, no, the father didn't tell me to go do that. I'm not doing it. And it will ruffle feathers. I know. (laughs) Oh, for sure. It's definitely a counter culture message for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Even in the Christian circle. That's where the rub has been the hardest for me because there's so many people that are embracing this in the church. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm like, that's not the message that I feel like Jesus lived or told us to live by. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I recently had a conversation with my husband about that, how I can understand it and even probably, not that this is right, but I can extend even more grace to non-believers that hustle because I'm like, they don't know better. They don't even know the Bible. Why would they think that? But it has been really hard for me to watch, honestly, people I look up to in the Christian world and I've sat under their teachings and I've, you know, all that stuff. And I'm going, wait, they're teaching a hustle culture. Wait. And then it makes me conflicted because I'm like, hold on. The Bible is teaching me one thing, but then this in real life person that I can tangibly see and hear is even subconsciously, you know, teaching another thing. And so then I had this wrestling happening in my spirit. So any advice on that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just think you have to go back to the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, like Jesus, Jesus was obedience in the flesh. That's one of the chapters right out of the second mm-hmm. part of my book. So good. You know, he, you know, sat in the garden and prayed like, not your will, but mine. And like, if Jesus can do that, knowing that he's going to get nailed to the cross in the next couple of days, then I can do pretty much anything else that he asked me to do. And even if these influencers, let's just say influencers, are preaching a different message, like the, I pray that the Lord reveals himself to them in, in time. And I think there's always, you know, there's always some truth to what people say. Like there's always good nuggets, but just because there's good nuggets or just because somebody sprinkles a a verse here or there through what they're talking about or teaching or writing doesn't mean that it's gospel. And so you have Mm. to take it back to the Bible for yourself and you have to really weigh what they are modeling, teaching, writing, talking about with the words and the ways of Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So you're definitely somebody who I would trust to speak into my life. So I want to make sure that the listeners know where they can find you online. Can you tell them where they can find you? Yeah. And melindafuller.com, obedienceoverhustle.com. And then as far as social media goes, I'm on Instagram the most. So you can find me there and the book when it becomes available, which I think it will be by the time this airs, will be at all the major Christian retailers, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I think even Target might carry it. Wow, that's exciting. Maybe. Yes, I've heard. We're not totally sure yet, but I'm hoping. Yeah. 
That's super fun. Awesome. Yeah. And I said I said that intentionally about the I trust you to speak into my life because I would I would really encourage those of you listening to just kind of pay attention to who is speaking into your life. Make sure that we are following the voices of truth and, you know, maybe not anybody that's encouraging you to take a different path than you're supposed to. So, right. Yeah. Right. That's good. Yeah. Well, Melinda, thank you again for coming on the show. I know I was blessed just by recording this. So I'm really excited to release it to the listeners. And I know I can't wait for all of them to get their hands on your book. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast chatting with you today. You're welcome. All right. Have fun on your trip. (laughs) Thank you so much. Bye. Oh my goodness, didn't you love Melinda and her fresh perspective she brings on obedience in God's kingdom? Hey, don't forget to text the phrase Real Talk to 44222 to stay up to date on all the latest show details and goodies. All right, friends, that's all for today. I pray this episode brought you one step closer to getting real, living free, and pursuing your God given dreams. Hustle free, of course. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.